0: Welcome once again to Comic Shenanigans, this is episode 7, Audio Comic Reviews for the week of September the 5th. I am your host, Adam Chapman, and uh, we had a really big week in comics this week. Uh, a lot of new releases, uh, and it seems like the majority of them are actually pretty good. Um, so that definitely makes uh, this episode a little bit more fun. Uh, I think last week was kind of more of a down week. It uh, wasn't nearly as good, had some good stuff, but it just seemed there was a lot of meh material. Uh, so thankfully this week it's a little bit different, we got a lot more interesting stuff uh, as it's now September we we also have a bunch of new uh, DC titles, uh, DC uh, Zero issues because that's their big initiative uh, this month in September. So uh, a lot of good stuff coming up uh, this month and this this week in, in particular is actually pretty good and enjoyable. So let's just jump right in because we have a lot of books to cover this, this uh, week. Uh, our first book that we're going to take a look at is Action Comics number Zero. Uh, now, I haven't been the biggest fan of Action Comics when it first started. I was kind of I was ambivalent. I know a lot of people really loved it when it came out of the gate, but it has felt like Morrison's been a little bit all over the place uh, throughout the first year. Um, a little inconsistent. Uh, some of it's been really good. Some of it's been kind of not as good. Uh, this issue, uh, it's it it's kind of an interesting issue. I mean, it's kind of showing when. Clark kind of first becomes Superman, first really goes out and, and becomes Superman when he first kind of meets Lois Lane. Uh, it's not a bad issue. It is actually, you know, fairly okay. There are workers by Ben Oliver who I'm not a huge fan of. Um, it, it's, it's very much an, a, kind of a fun little one-off. Um, the only problem is I felt like some of the material felt like a retread, like the beginning of the issue has Superman ordering his shirts that he's going to wear when he becomes Superman. We already kind of had that in previous issues. Uh, That being said, uh, it's kind of a fun... Very kind of Silver agey kind of story because uh, his cape goes missing because, uh, you know, a kid takes it and then ends up using it. And it's basically an explanation also of the cape's properties, what the cape can do, as Clark kind of gets used to his new surroundings. Uh, there's a really casual reference to uh, Mr. Mitsiplik in a really, really funny way because uh, he's the uh, an entertainer by the name of Mystic Mr. Triple X. And I'm like, that's actually pretty clever and hilarious. Um... As I said before, not a huge fan of Ben Oliver's artwork. Uh, he does an okay job with the issue. I just felt, I, I don't know, like the backup had a lot cleaner uh, material. Uh, as I haven't really followed this whole um, the whole run of Action Comics, I didn't really get the ending of the issue uh, of the the backup because obviously it's it's about I guess a character who's already appeared in this book. Uh, Charlie Fisher is the writer. It's kind of I, I don't know if I care about backups that really have they're they're loosely related to like we find at the end how it's related again if you know what's going on in action comics i think you know better i didn't really know so it's kind of like eh. we had a backup that didn't feature superman and it, for me it was hard to connect the dots as to why we even got to see it at all uh Kefou was the artist so it looked a lot better than the main story by ben oliver uh overall though you know it, it was a zero issue relatively easy to jump in and enjoy um yeah, it was, it, it was fun, and I think that's one thing I want to stress is that I feel like some of the creators are definitely having fun with the zero month so far. So I'm excited to see where that goes from there. So I gave Action Comics number zero by Morrison and Oliver a seven out of ten. Uh, moves us on to Age of Apocalypse number seven. Uh, full disclosure, to be honest, I haven't actually read I think any issue since issue one of this. I I just I didn't think it needed to happen. I wasn't a huge fan of the way the Age of Apocalypse was d- depicted in the Uncanny X Force. Uh, that being said, absolutely love this issue. Uh, it came out of nowhere for me. I did not expect it to be enjoyable. I um, Now that I'm doing the podcast, I'm doing these audio reviews every week. I'm really making a big effort to read... As many, if not all, love the big releases from Marvel and DC, and then once in a while, throwing in an Image book, because, but because I don't usually follow Image or Dark Horse or the other companies, unfortunately, it usually kind of stays to Marvel and DC. Um, so in my endeavor to try and do this, I'm trying to read everything that comes out, and this means reading some books I haven't really read since the beginning, or in some cases at all, this is one of them. Uh, David Lapham is writing it with Renato Arlem, who I like from something else, and I can't think of it right now, but he's a pretty good artist, I like his work, um, this was not a title that really came out of nowhere for me, I, it's issue 7, so I guess the first arc is over, uh, I found the characters were actually really compelling, the artwork was really good, I liked the sensibility behind it, um, it just, it just seemed really cool, I mean, these characters... I don't really know who all of them are, but they're written fairly simply. Uh, it's written in a way that you could honestly could pick up this issue, like I did, not really know who anyone is, and still find it really enjoyable. I like that there's a character who doesn't belong in the Age of Apocalypse, but he's there. Um, and it kind of gives the reader of a mainstream Marvel kind of a, a window into this reality, because this guy's confronted like he doesn't understand or he's understanding and coming to grips with the fact that things are very different. You know, this is not the Doom he remembers. Doom is like a savior in this reality. Um, Just really, really enjoyable, really engaging, and uh, I can't really wait to read the next issue, and I didn't think I'd say that. Um, I found it really enjoyable. If you're a fan of the Age of Apocalypse, and, I mean, my original problem with going back to the Age of Apocalypse is I wasn't a fan of the miniseries that happened on the anniversary of it. I found it was really just not that good, I didn't like how they were kind of going back to that, I always liked the idea that it ended, I mean I know that in the Marvel timeline it doesn't actually make sense but I like the idea that it ended, it blew up and it was over Uh, and then I went back to it I was kind of like, this isn't the age of apocalypse I remember and I don't see the need for it to exist anymore, especially when apocalypse isn't really around Uh, the Dark Angel Saga at least made it interesting because that wolverine had been you know taken over by the Apocalypse the seed and was now taking over the world that was kind of interesting and this is an offshoot of that originally I, as i said i didn't really find the original previews all that interesting but maybe i might actually take a shot at this i might go back and read issues one to six because this issue number seven was actually pretty solid um and it yeah, I was I was expecting a totally different book, so this was actually a really pleasant surprise for me. I didn't expect it, and it was really good. I gave this an 8 out of 10. This is uh, when I was reading all my books. I went alphabetically this this month uh, for the most part when reading, not not totally. And I remember, like, I started with Action Comics, and I was like, eh. And then Age of Apocalypse, and I'm like, really? Like, that was really good. And then I was excited to see what came next, and it just seemed like the first few books I was reading were all pretty solid. Um so that that's an eight out of ten for Age of Apocalypse number seven. It leads us to Animal Man number zero. Uh, I have not really read a lot of Animal Man. I know that people are a huge fan of how uh it's been written so far. Um I just I remember reading the first issue and a lot of people really liked what Lamar uh, Lemire, sorry, Jeff Lemire was doing I found the artwork really hard to stomach and enjoy. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's just, it was the wrong time for me to try and read it. But So I never really read most of the Animal Man that's happened so far. I've heard it's really good. I've heard that it's intertwining with Swamp Thing and the whole idea of the rot. And that it's supposed to be really cool and the green and the red. Um, but I hadn't really read much of it. So this was exciting for me because uh, I like the idea of the Zero Issues. That they're going back and in some cases giving you... More context to what you're reading now, or in some cases, just giving you origin stories. And this was one that felt like it gave a really good context to what's going on now in Animal Man. It made me want to pick up issues one to well, one to twelve, really, but the trade when it comes out. I think it's already out actually, which is one to six. So um, I'm excited. I, I wasn't expecting to like these zero issues. I was talking about this uh, earlier today with my brother-in-law, and I was like, I didn't expect to like them, but if they're going to be this engaging and really making me want to read the books that they're of. Uh, good on them. I mean, I, again, I, I was expecting nothing from, from these books. I was like, I'll go in with an open mind. It's a zero issue. could be cool. And it was, um, it was all about, you know, kind of the idea of, of Buddy Baker becoming animal man and what that looks like and why it happened. And it's kind of a nice retcon of his origin He's used to the idea that aliens kind of did this to him, and then he became a superhero. And it was just a really clever way of making sure, like, the idea that most animal men, men are, are born into it, or people who can, who are become the champions. But in this case, they needed his progeny to be the champion, but they needed him to, to have the power as well. And it was really harder to have him accept it because he was already, like, a fully grown adult. So instead they make it so that he's a superhero. And that's how he kind of reconciles it. It's actually really clever um, Really, really fun, really good. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, And Arcane is really creepy, and I've never known Arcane to be that creepy. I've only ever known him from like a Hero Click he had in the Hero Clicks Miniatures game back in like 2002 or 2003. So it's actually pretty cool. So I really enjoyed Animal Man number zero. I actually gave that a 9 out of 10. It was really solid. Uh, Again, not something I expected. Came out of left field for me. Uh, I would read it again. It's a really good issue, very, uh, really enjoyable. Uh, brings us up to Amazing Spider-Man 693. Um, I really didn't like 692. I was not shy about stating my my lack of affection for it. Uh, Alpha was too much of a giant jerk. The artwork was a little... It was Humberto Ramos, and that's good and bad, depending on the type of story it is. And I just found it unappealing. Um, this new issue, a lot better. Uh, it finally started writing Alpha in a much more interesting way start getting a little bit more insight into who he is and he kind of the idea that he kind of realizes like he's gotta change a little. Um yeah, he has to he has to learn the responsibility, he has to learn training, etc. And unfortunately one of the ways that he kind of gets into duped into thinking this is that Spider Man's like, you know, there might be a spot for you on the Avengers if you do this, if you come in for regular tests, if you keep up with sidekicking, etc. And then kinda of leads into a almost cliche, but not quite. Peter Parker saying, you know, I say Alpha no more, very Spider-Man no more-ish, but, uh, not a bad story, I like seeing MJ around, I like that she's owning a bar, I like that it feels like he's, Slot's finally moving some of the supporting characters further, uh, I like the idea that, that MJ's really kind of got more of a personality, again, now that she's in the book a little bit more, I still miss Carly Cooper, but that's another whole other thing entirely, uh, I really like Peter Parker working at Horizon Labs, um, Slot kind of teases that, you know, Peter Parker's like, should I leave, and, Modell's like, no, don't leave, um, but it, it, it definitely feels like we might be losing Horizon Labs at some point, because, you know, that they, he's definitely been making, everyone's used to Spider-Man being a menace, and now it's interesting that Jameson's going after Horizon Labs and saying Horizon Labs is a menace and shouldn't be around, and I mean, considering half the crap they end up involved with, it's hard to dispute that point, even though Jonah's coming from a very emotional place because of what happened to his uh, his wife, but... Very solid issue. I'm enjoying uh, Alpha a little bit more. The artwork is a little bit uh, better here. It was just a better story in general. I felt the first issue was very, like, too heavy on the Alpha's a jerk. We're not supposed to like him. And then this made him a little bit more likable as he goes through, you know, some growing pains. Uh, Jackal's here. Not sure I care to see the Jackal, because I feel like Dan Slot's writing a version of the Jackal. I never really liked that all that much. When I liked it when he was originally the Jackal in the old 70s comics. He was a very personal goal. And then somewhere along the line in the 90s, he became obsessed with cloning everyone and making, like you know, he basically became Mr. Sinister, but for Spider-Man. And that doesn't work for Spider-Man. It just seems a little bit outside of Spider-Man's pay grade. And it's just a little too super, super villainy, uh, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Uh, I'm not even a huge fan of that idea. So I gave this issue a 7.5. It's much better. It's much more solid. Uh, it's still not the greatest. I mean, I feel like we're just treading water until the next big storyline, which I cannot wait for, which is the, uh, uh, the Hobgoblin story, which, I mean, I just want that to come really badly. I mean, when I read the end of issue 691, I was like, holy crap, I'm in. Uh, I remember actually, I tweeted at Dan Slott. I'm like, I'm, you got me. I'm in. I really, I'm in. I'm in the long haul. I want to see what you're gonna do with this. I thought you killed him, uh, the original Hobgoblin. I'm really glad you didn't. Thank goodness. And then we have this Alpha storyline, which is fine, but it just feels like we're biding time until we get into the Hobgoblin story, which will bring us up to the point where then we have the uh, Doctor Octopus story it's in uh, 698, and then we're just re- nearing 700, which I mean, Dan Slott keeps saying is gonna be huge and uh you i I believe them I think it's gonna be amazing i just i hope it's good, and I know something big is gonna happen and I don't know i I'm excited so next issue on the docket is avengers academy number thirty six uh, i found this issue nowhere near as interesting as the last issue. It was still pretty good um but uh i mean this this book is winding down anyway um this is Final Exam Part 3 of 4. Uh, you got Christos Gage riding still with uh, Andrea DeVito doing the artwork, so it's really nice to see DeVito's artwork again. I've been a big fan of his since he was working for CrossGen back in the early 90s. Sorry, 2000s. <laughs> early 2000s. Um, this issue felt a little bit more played by the numbers. Uh, there were some emotional moments, but again, they felt a little bit more telegraphed. Um, last issue felt a little bit more dire. I really don't care for Queen of Arms, or I think that's her name. Uh, so I found her really not interesting at all as a villainous that they're going up against. It just kind of felt like a this is an issue where you have excuse me, you have uh you know Reptile and White Tiger basically having the exact same spiritual journey trying to reclaim their power and embrace it and you also have Metal you know basically going to Hazbat and saying no I'm I'm with you we're, we're going to do this together um you know and realizing why his powers didn't activate last issue and it's actually really hard very a tender issue uh, in that respect, and like a tender moment. But that being said, I don't know. Uh, it just felt like you know the storylines were very similar, uh, the character beats were very similar, and then you, you, it was a classic kind of like, oh no, the villain's gonna win. He must win because it's already happening. But I mean, obviously, the villain won't win. So it felt a little bit more predictable. It's still good. I mean, it's not bad. It's not a. I've even at its worst, Avengers Academy hasn't been bad. I just felt it wasn't. It didn't challenge me as a reader. It wasn't that ex- exciting or surprising. It was just kind of like this is what's happening, and then it happened. So no real surprises. And I guess that's the only thing that could really be said about this. Uh, brings us to uh, sorry. The rating for that is seven point five out of ten. Brings us to Batwing number zero. This is one of those books that I was really shocked by. I did not expect to enjoy it. Actually I was pretty sure I wouldn't enjoy it. I just I don't I haven't read any of Batwing, to be honest with you. I don't I think I even skipped issue one. So I don't think I read any of it. Um I also didn't read Batwing's original appearances, I guess, in Batman Incorporated. I'm not sure. I believe he was there. So this was a really good opportunity for me to jump into the book and understand the character, where he, his background, where he came from. Uh, Jed Winning did an excellent job in the script. Marcus Toe really killed the artwork. Uh, just a really cool story of showing who this man is and why he became Batwing and and what drives him. Uh, the turning point in his life. Uh, he's had death occur. He's he's had to deal with a lot of his life, and it's interesting to see. Basically, Batman, uh, you know, but in Africa and just coming from a different type of background, um, but having the same kind of experiences as Batman in in a different way and same kind of raw motivation, um, wanting to, you know, do good and having had endured loss as well. Uh, very strong. Very good issue. Not much to say. Uh, and I apologize if I'm a little bit briefer with these reviews in this episode. We've got like thirty or so books, so I'm gonna be relatively brief. Um Batwing number zero, nine out of ten. Extremely good. Brings us to Before Watchmen, Silk Spectre number three. Uh this book was weird. <laughs> I mean, there's a there's an L S D trip uh that um uh Silk Spectre goes through, which is really messed up, but really well illustrated, I have to say. Like I this issue would not have worked nearly as well if it wasn't for the artwork. Uh, it's it's a mind bending issue. It's all over the place. Um, it's hard to explain it if you haven't read it. What I and Amanda Connor does some brilliant artwork. Uh, Darwin Cook, really nice script. I'm surprised that this is only a four issue mini-series. I didn't really realize that. Once I realized that, the issue is a little bit not not quite as solid when you realize that this is kind of we're almost at the end that being said it's really trippy it's got a cool segment with uh the comedian showing up uh Spectre really written well i uh, can't wait to see what, how it ends uh just with the whole before watching books it feels like everyone was expecting them to suck and no one will admit that they don't <laughs> Like, no, I, it feels like there's not a lot of internet chatter on how they're really good. Some of these books are really solid, especially before, uh, Minutemen, uh um I like Slick Specter, I really like the Doctor Manhattan uh series. Those are all pretty good, but everyone expected them to tank and it just feels like there's kinda like this weird lull, like no one really is saying anything about them. Uh but I gave Before Watchmen Slick Specter number three by uh Darwin Cook and Amanda Commer, yeah, Connor, sorry, an eight out of ten. Brings us to Deadpool number 60, which is the conclusion of that current storyline. Um, I really enjoyed the last issue. Uh, this issue was not nearly as solid. It felt it felt a little bit too easy. Uh, Daniel Way writing with Salva Espen on art. Uh, Salva Espen, Espen, sorry. There's some excellent artwork in this, in this book. Uh, I really like the conclusion of Blacklisted. Um, it's really juvenile, but at the same time it works because it is Deadpool. Uh, I like that Deadpool gets kind of his face a little bit ruined again, but it, although it kind of depends on which page you look at because some pages it looks really bad and some pages it doesn't. Uh, it's a good comedic book. There's some really odd stuff that happens. Um, Black Swan is kind of important for ending the, t- for ending the book. It, it, the book, book did feel like it kind of just ended because um, you have this confrontation between Black Swan and Deadpool, and, he's, and Black Swan's kind of laying out why he saves his life, and they're both kind of have one-up, one, one up, they're trying to one-up each other in terms of, like, making sure the other one doesn't mess them up, so they have, like, insurance, but that's pretty cool, but it just kind of ends with, like, Deadpool kind of threatening Black Swan just in case anything ever happens, and it felt very empty, uh, I'm not really excited about the next issue with Hitmonkey, I never really cared for the character, but... Uh, overall, uh, pretty good, pretty good stuff. Uh, way, I will miss Dana Way on the book, because I think he gets this version of Deadpool. This version of Deadpool is not, like, the original, kind of, not original, obviously, but not the Joe Kelly version either. It's very slapstick, very kind of juvenile humor, but it does work, but at times you also wish, man, I wish Deadpool wouldn't be so generic. Uh, sorry, juvenile. Not generic, because it is definitely Deadpool. It's his own style. Uh, brings us up to Defenders number 10. Defenders number 10 is, uh, is, is, uh, written by Matt Fraction, uh, the artwork in this issue is, let me just pull up the issue, uh, the issue is, the art is by McKelvey, um, who I actually have always really enjoyed, sorry, um, Jamie McKelvey's art, it's also got some Mike Norton on it, I don't know, I guess Mike Norton did the ink, so I'm not exactly sure. pretty good book i think I, I stopped reading it in the middle because i felt it wasn't as good and then i read last issue and this issue and it's actually pretty it's gotten pretty solid very strange but pretty and weird but very enjoyable the artwork is fantastic i really like mcculvey's work um that being said i mean it's an interesting story because they're still dealing with you know the, this weird t- kind of t- time almost time lost team Uh, They add Scott Lang to this issue, which I really enjoyed because that character has been nowhere since it came back from Avengers Children's Crusade, so that's good. Uh, I actually really like Black Cat being in this squad. It's odd and weird, but it works. Um, And the version of Nick Fury they've got, Doctor Strange, uh, Iron Fist. Uh, Very good book, very enjoyable. Um, It's ending, so, I mean, it's it's over in two more issues. But I feel like this is... It's a type of book where... Like I felt the middle kind of lost me, but I do like that it's got its own, its own particular type of style, which I think is important, because this isn't an Avengers-related book. This is Defenders, and Defenders has always been a little bit different, a little bit off the beaten path. Uh, that's what this book feels like. The artwork is extremely solid. Uh, the, I mean, it's them, uh, they spend half the issue at Ant size, uh, not knowing what to do about what's kind of happened to the world around them. That's how they find Ant-Man. Um, it's gotten a very eclectic team, Everything about it is weird, and like there's a whole segment with Silver Surfer, which is very strange, but is awesome. Uh, it's awesome. It's such a weird book, but I enjoy it so much. And I really like the the bottom of each page, which is very old school Marvel, where it it's like basically uh, giving an idea of other books that are happening and giving like AVX ends of this month and Heaven is a place where nothing ever happens. And I I like this that style because it makes it feel like a, a book out of time, uh, a book that. You know that they don't they don't do these types of things anymore. Like this month, the end of baby X, don't miss out. And then you turn the page and you find it, something different on another page. So, I really like that sensibility. Like um, it's basically advertisements, but it it, it, it I like it. It's uh, tongue in cheek. It's very fraction. Uh, it's fun. I like it a lot. Just that that idea that uh, that they put that in there. So, in the whole, I actually... I gave the issue, originally, I gave it a 6 out of 10. The more I look at it, the more I reread it, I think, actually, I'm going to update that to a 7 out of 10. It's actually... A, it's better than I gave it credit for, originally. Brings us to Invincible Iron Man, number 524, by uh, Fraction, again, and Salvador LaRocca. This is a book where it's ending soon, so that feels nice. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Salvador LaRocca's artwork on this book. Uh, I just feel like, as time and time has gone on we've had so many issues i just feel like it hasn't progressed it hasn't changed hasn't evolved the the colors i think are part of what kill it for me um it almost feels a little lazy in the the pencils like i've looked at older Larocca stuff and it used to be so vibrant part of it was the was the colors especially like on extreme x-men where it was digitally colored over his pencils but here everything's kind of looks the same there's not I just feel that like there needs to be more diversity. I think part of it is the colors. I think it's kind of drab looking, but I think just the artwork in general seems a little uninspired. So not that I expect Greg Land to be that much better in terms of uh, original and, and fresh, but hopefully he can bring something new to the title or at least different when he comes uh, with the new relaunch that's happening soon. Uh, I am excited about the storyline, though. I like that you've got this revolution happening. I thought this issue is probably the strongest we've had in a while. Uh, it's been building slowly. I like that Tony and and uh, Ezekiel staying are working together. I think that's a great. There's something always really fun about having two enemies work together against a common enemy. Uh, it's a very common trope, but one that I, I find consistently enjoyable. So that's really cool. Uh, just a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, give it an eight out of ten. It's actually really solid, and I'm excited to see where the revolution goes. One thing I do wish though, is I wish that the, the designs and the armor for the other characters were more unique, or just more signature, like you could look at a character and be like, I know who exactly who that is, and as it is, I just feel like there's it lacks that uh, I, I like that everyone kind of has this cool armored look, but I just wish they were more like identifiable uh, I'm a long time fan of Iron Man and I look at characters, and I'm like, I don't even know who exactly who this is, I just feel like they, they need to freshen up the designs, some of the armor, so it's clearer who you're looking at and who you're talking about. Um but no good issue. We're just to uh, Detective Comics number 0. Uh uh this is a pretty good story. Uh it takes a look at uh basically Bruce Wayne's training day. So he's he's still he's still in training at this point in time. Um he's not Batman yet, although he does kind of come back at the end and meets up with Alfred. Uh he's in the Himalayas. It's all set 10 years ago which gives a little, a lot more of a time frame, so we're getting more ideas as to exactly when Batman's been in existence. But uh, really, really solid. I really enjoyed this. This is called Batman, The Final Lesson. The main story in the issue is actually written by uh, Greg Hurwitz, and it's penciled by Tony Daniel, although I have to admit that it looks different than most Tony Daniel stuff. Uh, I think it looks a little bit rougher, but I think it worked for the story. Um, there's actually a backup as well. Which is called "The Long Wait" by James Tinian IV, who's the writer, and Henrik Johnson on pencils, um, which I really liked. It was an Alfred story. It made Alfred look a little bit more rankled than I would have expected, but uh, it was kind of an interesting idea of what it was, what it's like to be Alfred waiting for uh, for Bruce Wayne to return home from his journey. Uh, the the primary story here by Herbert's really solid. It's uh, you know, Batman's still training, he's still learning meditation, I always like those kind of Bruce Wayne training stories, he's bringing, we're learning more about kind of life, and what it's going to be like when he, you know, when he kind of takes up his mission, and, uh, it's kind of a brutal story, ends with a lot, with death, um, really, and kind of sad, but, Really interesting to see what it's like and and how he's been bruce has been mani- manipulated without him realizing it by two opposing forces which are actually a married couple, but one believing in, in form and and, and the uh, expression of the, the the journey towards this enlightenment and the other someone who has had to be par- uh, buried to someone who's been so committed to this this journey and this, in this enlightenment and what that's been like for her entire life and how that kind of impacts Bruce and how he acts as well. So really, really strong, really enjoyable. Uh, the backup, fantastic. I really like a glimpse into what Alfred's life, life was like before Wayne got home. So I thought that was really, really enjoyable because that's something we don't usually get to see. And that is something I really like about the zero one, issues, sorry, the zero one, these zero issues that gives us an opportunity to go back and see stuff that we wouldn't normally get to see at all. Um, so it's very very cool. I really liked it. Um, it's yet another a win for the zero department. That's an eight point five out of ten. Uh, next come is, is uh, Dial H Number Zero. Uh, I didn't enjoy this nearly as much. I felt this was really out there. Uh, I don't. I haven't really read the new Dial H series to be honest with you. So I might have been a little bit beyond behind the curve a little. Uh, it's written by uh, China uh, Mielville or Mielville with art by Ricardo. Berchielli, uh, I wasn't really a fan of this, I didn't really like the story, I didn't really like the artwork, uh, the artwork was, it was okay, I guess, it just, it felt like it wasn't quite expressive enough, I didn't always understand what was happening, that's partly the story's fault, um, I just, this is one of those issues where I kind of read it, and I was like, I'm reading this because I'm reviewing this, not really because I'm really enjoying this, and I had to kind of take, take a step back at that point, um, I just, I didn't find it all that engaging, uh, if you the highlights, you might like it a lot more from reading that series, obviously, you might like it a lot more than I would have, uh, I just didn't really enjoy it and by the time it was over, I'm like, thank goodness it's over, so uh, I gave it a 5 out of 10 it wasn't like, bad, bad it just, I didn't care, and I felt I wasn't engaged in the story, and sometimes that's almost worse, if it's a bad comic, but you're still somewhat engaged, even if it's just in the fact that it's bad, that could be something This just kind of felt like it was there and I didn't get much out of it, and that was disappointing actually quite disappointing and next up is Earth 2, number zero. Uh, I absolutely love this issue. I mean, I, from the beginning, I really wanted to like Earth 2, and then I read the first issue, and I was like, holy crap, this is awesome. This is what I wanted Justice League to be. Even though they killed off a main th- big three of the of the, of the the universe um, in the first issue, I still really enjoyed it. So th- this was a really nice way of getting to look back at what it was like when Batman and Wonder Woman and uh, Superman were still around on Earth-2. Uh, extremely well-written script by James Robinson. I love the artwork by uh, Tomas Uh This is the story of uh, of uh, Terry Sloan, uh, basically Mr. Terrific, and what he was like in this universe. Uh, and I really liked it. It was really... I didn't like how... We briefly got a look at Terry Sloan in the, our recent issue of Earth Two, but it felt really out of place, and we didn't have any context for it, and he seemed very villainous. But then this issue happened, and it was just so strong. Uh, I, I just like the idea that he's he's so smart that he does things that are would be considered evil, but he's doing it because it's for the better betterment of of everyone on the planet. And I just think it was such a strong story. It was a strong flashback. We really got to see how. The Trinity operated, and I really like this Trinity. Like this, these, I guess this is part of why I really like Earth Two, is that it feels more like the universe we used to know before Flashpoint. Um, this feels like a Superman who is trusted by everyone, whereas the Superman on the regular DCU, they're going back to this. Like it's like they they want him to be something that he's not. Like Superman's supposed to be this guy who everyone knows, everyone loves Superman everyone trusts him instead they're making it like ooh he's a little bit weird he's a little bit off to the edge they're kind of trying to make Spider-Man him you know a little bit like he's almost like he's a menace and I just don't think that works because I, I know that when Superman first started he was very much a, more of a rebel against like this common against the, the status quo but then that went away when the minute the war hit World War Two and I just feel like it feels weird now to go back to something like that when we had a certain version of Superman for so long. This felt like the Superman I remember. This felt like you know, the heroes I remember and so it was really enjoyable. The only bad thing about this issue, and this has nothing to do with the issue, which is, should really tell you how much I enjoyed it, was that uh, I don't like how, like most stories, they got their 12th issue, and then they had the Zero. Uh, there's a few where it's in the middle of a storyline, Aquaman is a good example, and that bugged me. This is another one where, like, we're right in the middle of a storyline. We've only had four real issues of Earth 2. throw in the Zero issue, it's nice to have a flashback, especially because it gives a lot of good context, and it's really good. But, I, it just feels like you're kind of, like, where is this going to be in the trade? Is this going to be after? Is it going to be included in the first trade? Is it going to be said part after? the you know the first five or six issues because that's the story i just feel like it gives some logistical issues uh but that's really my only problem with it so that should really tell you how much i enjoyed it so i gave earth two number zero a nice big nine out of nine out of ten um next up is gi combat number zero really did not care for this uh <laughs> at all i like zero issues this was not a good one i uh, gave it a five out of ten I don't know anything about The Unknown Soldier, and I didn't need to know anything more than what they gave me, and which was, really wasn't much. Uh, I just felt it was overly complicated. I'm still a little confused about what they were trying to do here. It's by Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiotti with art by Staz Johnson. Uh, then the backup in the issue is by J.T. Crawl and Ariel Olivetti. Uh, it's not a very... You have to like war stories. You have to like Unknown Soldier to even really want to read this. Uh, I I was really open to it though because I thought this might be cool because I don't know anything about the Unknown Soldier. I don't know anything about this this potential legacy of the Unknown Soldier that every war had one. Uh, but then I read the script. The script here is very all over the place. It didn't feel all that concise uh, or cohesive, and it just wasn't something I enjoyed all that much. And then you get the War That Time Forgot backup. Uh, or I guess co story co feature. And I didn't really care for that one either. I'm not a big fan of, Hall of Eddie's current art style. Um, it just didn't work for me, so I gave it a five out of ten because I didn't really like it. Uh, brings us to Green Lantern number zero. Wow, I really did not like this. I, I gave it a six out of ten because it's 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 okay written and it's well illustrated. I just don't care at all for how they portrayed this new character. Uh, Jeff Johns writing, Doug Monkey doing the art. Uh, I felt it was borderline offensive. I just felt it it. it Pushed too hard on the idea that this, this guy's Arab American. This is what his life's been like as a result of 9 11, and that might be. Tr- I mean, they might. I I just felt they pushed too hard on that angle, and and I felt that it made him more like they were trying to make him. This is a char- This is the new character. Guess what? He's Arab American. This is a huge part of who he is, and I get that it, it is, but it just felt like. It's kinda of like when they introduced Batwoman. It's like it wasn't, hey, here's this new female Bat character, who's she? Is she so awesome? Why is she awesome? It was more like, hey, look, she's gay. She's a lesbian. Look at this. It's a lesbian bat character. We made a new bat character and they're gay. Look at this. And I just felt like this was like I mean, a man new Green Lantern. But guess what? He's not a white guy, not a black guy this time. He's Arab American. Oh man. His name is Baz. What are you gonna do? So I I didn't really care for that. I mean it's well written, it's well illustrated. I just found it, and I, I like when he got the the ring. I just don't care much for the origin of the character. I just felt very offensive. Um, I don't know, it just felt like he went to the well too hard on this particular story angle, and it didn't work for me. Uh, that being said, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens next, um, but I'm not really a big fan of the whole Third Army thing that's coming up, so there's that. And plus, there's some really weird coloring at the end of the issue, um, because... It makes him look like an alien, like, suddenly he looks blue, so, I don't know why they did that. The epilogue, I don't really know if I even care, with, oh no, what happened to Hal Jordan and Sinestro, are they dead, where are they? And I almost felt like it was disingenuous to even put them in a zero issue. That being said, interesting way to do a zero issue, by making it the origin of a new character that you're going to introduce anyway, that being said, it kind of felt like they they skirted the line a little. Like Zero issues, for the most part, it's supposed to be origin issues of the characters we already know. This felt like something that would have happened anyway. If this hadn't been an issue zero, it would have been the next issue. It would have been issue 13, and it would have showed the new Green Lantern and what his origin was. And it may have had a little bit more of how in it as a result, because it, w- it wouldn't have been just a zero focus. So that felt a little weird. I'll give it a 6 out of 10. Uh, as I said, it's really it looks good. I just felt that leaned a little too hard on plot and story elements that I didn't really care for. That brings us up to Green Arrow number zero. Uh, I really didn't enjoy it all that much. I gave it a 6.5, but to be honest, I think the story wasn't so bad. I liked when they do origin stories, uh, and that the, this this version of Ollie is a little bit more impetuous than previously, uh, and he's a little bit more to blame for his circumstances and for creating his villain or one of his villains, or potential villains. I, I haven't been reading Green Arrow, so I don't even know if they end up really doing a lot with Merlin, but it looks like they probably do. Jed Winnick is writing it. This is not the best Freddie Williams artwork, in fact. I think it's probably the le- the the worst Freddie Williams, the second artwork I've ever seen. I think it's more to do with the inks, to be honest with you, though. It looks over-rendered. It doesn't look nearly as clean as, it used to, as his artwork usually looks. So I think Rob Hunter's inks were way too heavy. The colors I wasn't a huge fan of either. They're okay. But I think the main issue I had was the inks. The inks really over-rendered and dirtied up the pencils, which I thought didn't work for Freddie Williams the second style, and it kind of made the issue less enjoyable. The script isn't bad. It doesn't. It's, an, it's a slightly different twist on a very well-known origin or fairly well-known origin for the character. So, uh, and it makes it more. It makes him have a little bit more of a, cro- of a chip on his shoulder, a cross to bear, because he's more responsible. Than previously for his his eventual predicament on the island, so there is that. So I gave uh, Green Arrow number zero six point five out of ten. Next up is Guarding the Globe number one by Image Comics. So uh, look, I did sneak a, a non Marvel DC title in there. Uh, actually, really, I, it was okay. Um, I recently re um, not reread, but I read it for the first time. The Guarding the Globe uh, trade, I guess the collecting the original miniseries uh, that put together the, the team. Uh, I have never read Invincible, um, so I <laughs> probably shouldn't have read it at all. I actually really enjoyed that miniseries. I um, I reviewed it for uh, CGM, uh, which is a comic and gaming magazine, so you can find them at c- uh, cgmagazine.ca. You can read my review of that trade up there. Uh, I enjoyed this story. I enjoyed seeing these characters again. Obviously, they're very fresh in my mind because I just, re- uh, just read that trade. That being said, I was... Not a big fan of the art style that was employed here. Uh, I found that... Because I, I really enjoyed the, the Guardian of the Globe... Number, uh, sorry, the Garden of the Globe trades art style. Or, um, this was a very different style. It's it's Todd Nock who I usually really enjoy. And I still did. I just felt like this wasn't the version of Brit I'm used to. I'm used to Brit looking very different. That being said, it was nice to see these characters again, seeing their adventures. Uh, it really does pick up, like, not far from after the original miniseries so it just felt like the continuing adventures so it because i just read it it really worked well for me as a reader because i have just read their adventures, read that world, so seeing those characters continue and seeing some new characters, seeing some characters try and get redemption, I really enjoyed that. So, the artwork wasn't quite to my my cup of tea, but I think part of that isn't because I don't like the artists themselves, but I didn't like that it was a very different visual take on some of the characters as opposed to what I've been used to. So, it was more, I put that more blame more on myself as to why I didn't enjoy it as much and not on Todd Nock, because Todd Nock's artwork is still pretty good, it's just different from what I'm used to, and I I felt that was a little bit uh, harder for for me to kind of make that switch in my mind. Uh, But I do give Garden of the Globe number one a 7 out of 10. Uh, Brings us to Hawkeye number two, which is potentially my favorite book of the week. Uh, Extremely good. Matt Fraction, David Aja absolutely fantastic uh it's kind of this it's got this great street feel this great retro feel um i i love clint barton this is a very different take on him but one that i really enjoy it's very stripped down it's very this is when he's not an avenger it even says at the beginning of the book um so this is this is hawkeye being hawkeye this is him not being as reckless as as he would be in other cases but still being very like he's he's got so much charm panache style it's him and kate bishop so i love that it's the two hawkeyes hanging out and him kind of mentoring her i it's just it's an absolute joy to read i had so much fun with this book i cannot wait to uh to have this on my on my shelf as as a trade because i will give this to people and be like hey you like hawkeye you like that movie want to read something that's nothing like it? it's still awesome (laughs) because it's really really good it's fantastic it's as i said probably one of my favorite books of the week if not the best um, so that'd be a 9.5 out of 10. Brings us to Phantom Stranger number zero. Uh, not a huge fan of this. Uh, I don't know much about Phantom Stranger. It was okay. It did the job. Uh, it, Dan DiDio wrote it, Brent Anderson doing the artwork, which is actually pretty solid. Uh, it, there's nothing bad about it. It's just, it felt, it was just a bit of, I don't want to say tropey, but it was very, it didn't feel like it gave you a lot new in terms of uh, of who he is. It gave him his origin. It gave you a bit of the specter. I felt it didn't put a lot of it in context, which made it harder to enjoy. It's interesting having a new series launch with a zero issue, though. It's a great opportunity, but also part of the, the 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 charm of the other zero wish is that you're setting up things and're you showing characters we've already seen and it kind of tie not only are you seeing a flashback but you're also seeing something that puts things into context and this is just basically a first issue uh more than a zero issue uh it, they kind of do the exact same function so yeah, it felt like it was less deserving of the zero wish treatment it didn't benefit as much from it as a result but I mean it wasn't bad I just I originally was giving it a six out of ten. The more I look at it now, I'm trending more towards a six point five or a seven. Um, it is really well illustrated. It's not a bad story. It's just not quite one that's completely to my taste. But it was okay. It, it, and again, it felt a little predictable, but it doesn't make it bad. Um, as to whether or not I'm going to enjoy the regular series, because I'm obviously going to read it for the podcast, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a big. I don't know much about Dan DiDio's writing style. I didn't read OMAC. Uh, so I haven't read many things he's really written. So I don't know if I'm going to enjoy his take on the character or not, but I have no real concept of the character, so I'm not that worried about it. It's not like I'm a diehard Phantom Stranger fan and I'm so upset that he's been ruined by Dan DiDio. It's more like I don't know anything about this character, so Dan DiDio can do almost anything he wants, and I probably won't be that upset. Uh, brings us up to Swamp Thing number zero. Again, It's it was nice to have this released in the same week as, uh, as Animal Man because you have kind of... It's the other end of the spectrum. Uh, I, actually, I actually enjoyed it a fair bit. I mean, again, I haven't read much of Animal Man or Sh- Swamp Thing, although I really want to now. Uh, Scott Snyder wrote it with the Art by Kano. Uh, I really like the style. I actually really like the, um, the lettering here. It actually did a pretty solid job. And uh, the colors are really nice as well. It's just a great story, and Arcane is a messed up individual. Um, very creepy, very... Very strange, but it was, it was really interesting to see how Swamp Thing, this version of Swamp Thing, really took took hold. Um, I remember reading part of the first issue, and I like how it's kind of this is this is a cool origin for the character, uh, and I'm excited to maybe get caught up and understand more about the alcohol and character, more about Swamp Thing, more about the green, and also more about the red for Animal Man. So and more about the rot. So I, I gotta give them credit. They've put out two really good issues, Animal Man Zero and Swamp Thing Zero. It makes me much more interested and invested in going back, reading those issues and actually figuring out you know, finding out what all the hype is about and really starting to enjoy them. So um uh, I I think at the end of the day, like most of these zero issues besides the aforementioned Dial H and GI Combat. Other than that, they've all been pretty solid and very enjoyable, and I think they've really hit their mark and managed to do what they're supposed to do, which is make me interested, give me a, a jumping-on point that makes me want to go back and read, and then read forward as well. So I give them a lot of credit. As much as it's a giant stunt, it's a stunt that so far is yielding results, at least for me as a reader. Uh, so I gave Swamp Things number 0 an 8 out of 10. let Let's to do first X-Men number 2, uh, I went back and forth on the ratings for this one. I think I'm actually going to end up lower than I originally thought. Usually, I kind of I rethink it and I go, "Well, maybe it's maybe maybe it's higher than I gave it credit for. Maybe I was being too harsh." This one, I think I was being too courteous. Uh, it's by Neil Adams and Christos Gage. I just don't care. Uh, I, re- I read this and I tried to enjoy it. Neil Adams uh, was a great artwork, a great artist. He's not anymore. Um, his stuff is not. It's just it, it's loose. Uh, The inks don't do a lot for it, but it just, there's a lot of hair everywhere. I mean, it sounds like a ridiculous complaint, but, like, his Magneto just doesn't look right. I just felt it's very loose, not, it's almost, at times, almost over-rendered, but it's, uh, the line work doesn't always do a lot for it. The story's very is very loose as well i just there's nothing about this that needs to happen it was basically neil adams said i'll I'll do a book for you i'm interested in doing these characters and they said yeah sure go do it but i and then christos gage wrote the script for it um but i don't think uh like neil adams and christos gage ended up writing it together but it's more gage kind of finalizing as far as uh, what i'm aware more doing like scripting the plot that Adams came up with but I'm sure because he is the artist that they did more collaboration than that just not a big fan of the characters as they're presented I'm not I don't like this version of Wolverine and Sabretooth as kind of being these this isn't Wolverine to me Wolverine doesn't care about other people at this point in his life he and it looks like he still has bone so that's weird too I don't even know where this is supposed to take place. Uh, It's just, this is, this book is a mess artistically, and although Gage does his best, it just doesn't work. And I hate the depiction of Magneto. It just looks awful. Uh, I'm even reconsidering my 5 out of 10. I think maybe this is even a 4. It's just, the artwork is so so not strong at all. It's just really weak. Uh, Gage does his best, but I don't think it's nearly good enough to to save this mess of a book. So I'm going to give that a 4 out of 10, actually. It just wasn't good. Versus to Mighty Thor, number 19. Uh, I have actually fallen off this book in recent issues. I'm reading this more now because it's a tie-in. Sorry, not tie-in. It's a, it's a crossover with Journey into Mystery, which I've loved since it became retitled that. Um, Fraction and Gien are the ones who are credited as writers here with Davison artwork. I'm not usually a big fan of Davison art, but the last couple times I've seen him do artwork, it's actually been really polished, really strong, vibrant uh he's doing thor i mean this and he makes thor look big and and muscular very strong great character uh there's a lot of power in these images it looks really it's really solid i love kid loki i love everything that's going on i love the the big last page reveal here which is some great davis artwork um just really tremendously good actually again this is another case of me rethinking my original review i when i first read it i the way I do these is I read all the issues and after each issue I write down the number and then when I do the podcast I just bring them back up and I'm just kind of leafing through and saying, and rem- reminding myself what happened and so I can give you an idea of a snapshot of what my feelings are in the book and so sometimes I end up rethinking them and that's which happens quite often and, and this time I'm I'm actually thinking it's more of an 8 out of 10 than a 7 out of 10 that I originally thought so Mighty Thor by Guillen Infraction and, and Davis I'm going to give that an 8 out of 10 it's surprisingly solid uh, I think the, the, the making it a crossover with Journey to Mystery is making it better. So that's definitely good. I mean, the book's ending anyway. Um, it's going to be relaunched soon, so it, it's 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 kind of a lame duck book, but it's a good lame duck book. Uh, some books that are about to end, uh, you're either they're building to a big crescendo, like with Cap America, it's the end of the run. So even though it doesn't feel that big, at least it's like. It does feel like something, because it's a guy who's been there for so many years. Same thing with Fraction on Iron Man. He's had such a long Iron Man story that it really feels like you're coming to a head, this massive arc. Uh, And then this one, it it didn't have that really going for it, because I think it's been kind of a mess. Uh, I jumped off; I stopped reading it regularly after issue 12. But I'm back in for this crossover, even though it's going to kind of close out the book, and it's really good. So I'm glad that if you're going to end the book, at least end it in a crossover with a much better title, which is Journey into Mystery. So I gave that an 8 out of 10. That brings us to Punisher number fifteen. Absolutely adore this take on the Punisher. It's so good. Greg Rucka and Marco Checito are doing a fantastic job. Um, I just, I just love this version of the Punisher. It's so, so stripped down. Like in in a way that like I remember, I like I really liked Rick Remender and Jerome Pena's version of the of the Punisher because that felt very stripped down as well. But it was also very superhero-y because I mean he did a lot of over the top things with accessing, uh, you know. Weaponry and uh, like he had like the Ant Man helmet and all sorts of weird fun stuff. This is much more like this is Punisher street level. This is him executing his mission. This is him having a new partner and really running it like a military op. Uh, It's just it's really really enjoyable. The artwork is fantastic. It's got a great sensibility. This issue is just brutal. So much violence. So much killing. Uh, It's just really strong. And like the end of the issue, especially like. It, Frank has not even been the main character in this book. I mean, you could say that Rachel Cole is more of a main character in some ways than Punisher is, because Punisher we never get a sense of what he's thinking, which actually makes this in a stronger book because you don't know what he's thinking, you don't know what the main protagonist is actually going to do. You're you're looking through other people's eyes, and it makes it much more compelling because he really is a force of nature. He's just he does things because he's the, he's the Punisher, and that's just the way he is. Um, I'm sad that Ruck is you know tenure on the book and the character is ending obviously when this book ends i think with next issue or maybe the issue after it it leads into the war zone miniseries which based on how this issue's ending i can see where they're going with it like he's basically been framed for murdering innocents and ma- murdering cops and that's something the that punisher doesn't do so it's interesting like because the cops kind of believe in punisher being one thing because you know as bad as he is and as much as he's going outside the law he does kill criminals and not good guys doesn't kill cops and then he's framed for in the this mass confusion, he's framed for killing a lot of innocents. So it'll be interesting to see how much of that informs the events of Warzone or if Warzone's gonna be more like something he does at the beginning of Warzone is gonna actually be the reason why the Avengers go after him or if it's gonna be based on how this book is actually going to end. Uh but really solid, <laughs> really really good artwork. Um for fans of the Punisher. I really think this is, this is an interesting, unique take on the character because it pulls back and it doesn't focus on him first person. It just has him doing his mission, having a partner, seeing what that's like. Um, I really like Rachel Cole's character. I'm wondering if she's going to be around after this arc, after this book is done, after Warzone's done. It just feels like once this version of the Punisher is over, someone's going to bring something new and they're just going to throw out what just happened, which is, would be a real shame because it's been so solid. Um, brings us to ultimate comic spider-man number 14 it's i it's got to say something for the issue and really my only problem with it is i don't understand the chronology with it and spider-man otherwise extremely good um david marquez does some great artwork it's not sarah but i mean it's damn good uh and bendis does some really good job on the on the writing the first main page abs just just made me laugh so hard cuz you got Gwen Stacy saying Captain America you are a jerk and that's obviously a callback to Uncanny X-Men back in the day when you have that classic uh, image of uh Kitty Pryde saying you know Professor X is a jerk so uh the only thing I don't like I hate Captain America's new costume here it looks ridiculous like Captain America used to look cool and like big and i has got these ridiculous shoulder pads that don't even they look like someone put a cardboard box on his on his shoulders basically so that's too bad um Really really strong issue. I really like Miles Morales. I like how he's being written here. I like how he has an interaction with Aunt May, Gwen Stacy, and Mary Jane. I like that he gets the web shooters. I like him practicing to use the web shooters, what that's like. Again, the artwork felt like Pacelli, even though it wasn't. Um just just tremendous. I mean, the other thing that doesn't make any sense is that, you know, here he's got web shooters. He doesn't have web shooters in Spider-Man. In Spider-Man, he's experimenting with the web shooters when they're hanging out in the Parker Loft. Obviously, this has to take place, I guess, before, because this is where he meets Aunt May, so I wish that the chronologies were a little bit more tight, and wouldn't be as confusing. That being said, pretty good. Uh, I haven't been following this Divided We Fall storyline, so, I, or really most of anything in the Ultimate uh, Comics except for Spider-Man, so I don't really get the the larger implications of what's going on here, but I do really enjoy this issue, really strong. Uh, Again, I didn't expect to ever read an Ultimate Spider-Man issue after, well, Ultimatum, to be honest with you. And I kind of came back for the death of, and and then reading all these Miles Morales stories... It's actually really strong, because he is a different type of character, and I like how he's struggling. He's he's different, he's got his own issues to deal with. He's not just Peter Parker, but Dun Black. I mean which is, I think, some people's original plots where they were worried that that is basically what it would be, and thankfully it's not, so it's something quite different. Um, this is one of the ones I'm going to reconsider. I was giving it an 8.5 out of 10. I actually think it deserves the 9. It's really, really good. Uh, if you haven't picked it up, or you're just, you've been like, I don't know if I want to bother with Ultimate Spider-Man, you really should. It's really worth it. Next up is Venom number twenty four. Um, I haven't been enjoying this issue. in last, I I didn't enjoy the Circle of Four storyline happened around issue thirteen point one two three four. I just didn't really enjoy it. Um, I, it was something different, but it just I that's not what I really when I first started reading Venom comics uh, with Flash Thompson as Venom, I really liked the Black Ops op idea, and then him being in the Secret Avengers afterwards was really cool. And I really liked the Crime Master storyline. I liked all that stuff. I didn't really care for him being part of this demonic concept and so this issue is more of the demonic concept than that I don't really like uh it just doesn't work it for me Colin Bunn wrote it uh Tony Silas did the pencils which he actually had some really good artwork here uh I just don't care about Damien Hellstrom he's been used I think a little bit too much in the last year and a half and I don't really like his portrayal anyway like I don't even get him as a character I don't understand what his deal is um this just felt very far from the type of venom stories I want to be reading. I'm excited to see what happens in the next few months when he gets more involved with minimum carnage and then moves to Philadelphia. I'm hoping that it makes it gives the character more of a grounding and he can do I I, I just this is not what I want to be reading in a venom book. This is a different interpretation of the character, and he's possessed, and I don't really care for demonic storylines. So, I mean, it, I give him credit for trying something a little bit different, but me personally, it doesn't connect with me. So, I didn't really enjoy it as much as a result. Their work is okay. I don't really like how they keep making him turn into, like, the kind of the evil Venom, I'll call him. But, like, what Venom is usually known as, not as the soldier Venom. I use soldier venom he's got a cool design why not, why deviate from that although the spikes are getting a little bit ridiculous on his costume other than that I mean art works all right I gave it a seven out of ten i just i i want it to be i want them to tell different types of stories so i'm I'm almost giving it a review and I I don't I try not to do this. I try not to give a grade or a rating based on the fact that it's not what I want and not based on what it is. But I just I don't really connect well with it, what it actually is about. So that's why it's getting the rating it's it's getting. It's not a bad issue, it's just not really to my taste and I don't really have as much interest in Damien Hellstrom as a character or in Venom being possessed or in anything in that kind of realm. I like it when it was more kind of not realistic, because the Crime Master and Jacqueline and stuff is still very fantastical and, and crazy, but that was a little bit more um, grounded, at least, than demonic possession and having Damien Hellstrom do stuff. So, uh, that's too bad. Brings us to World's Finest, number zero. Uh, gave it a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, the, I It was it was a good story. Uh, you know what? I changed it. Eight. It's an eight out of 10. It was actually better than I, I the guy I gave it credit for. Uh, it's written by... Paul Levitz with art by Kevin McGuire. It, it's a nice kind of flashback story to seeing how Supergirl and uh, uh, Helena Wayne first met. It also has the death of Catwoman, which is very sad. Um, I like these flashback stories to see what these relationships were like between these characters. I like how they first meet, I like how they, they team up together, and what it kind of means to them and how they met. Um, the artwork by Kevin McGuire isn't his greatest the last page in particular they, they look, they have these weird odd looks on their faces when they're kind of hugging each other and you know, they're going to be friends forever and because of what they've been through together but the actual story is pretty strong I liked it, it was actually a lot of fun it gave a lot of context to their relationship and I'm sure we're going to continue to see more flashbacks in the main series um, I like Helena Wayne as, as Robin I think she looks awesome uh, and I like the idea that what what her training with Catwoman was like, and what that whole relationship was like. It's just really, really, really good. I really dug this issue. I, again, the Zero Issues really succeeded for me. I'm hoping that next week is as strong, because this was a really good week. Some really, really strong issues. Uh, and that brings us to our last book, uh, which is X-Factor 243. Um, I really dug this. It, I like this storyline, because... I mean, he's doing something that's very typical. You know, it's like, this, this is breaking points. We're going to, five days, it change X-Factor forever. And yet, each issue centers on a different character, and you don't need to have, the, it's not a big epic where, you know, it's a big, event, like a big five-part adventure, and you're getting to the end. It's more, you're getting these really solid, single-issue stories focusing on one character each, and you're really getting a lot of good character development. Um, it's just really strong. This is a Polaris issue, so we are find out more about where Polaris is like, what what her past is really like, how her pa- original parent, well, how her dad, uh, her, I guess technically stepdad, how her not dad, as they usually would call, call him, uh, and her mom raised her, and like how they died, who killed them. It kind of settles some plot points where it's been rumored before that Magneto killed her parents. We find out the truth, which is actually pretty upsetting. Uh, and it just—it's really strong. I really like how Polaris was written here. I like how her and Havoc don't really fit uh, with this version of X Factor, and I think it works because X Factor has been around like this iteration for quite a while. And then you throw in these two characters who existed in a previous version of X Factor, which was quite different. And I think it really—I like the feeling that they don't. That Peter David isn't shying away from the fact that no, they don't quite belong. They're not. They're not these types of characters. And Polaris doesn't really know all these characters, and she really is like kind of out of place and her acting out and kind of threatening Monet to do what she wants and being kind of mean in a long shot it actually felt very accurate uh to these people who don't really get these characters as much as the rest of the team and are very like you know uh, a little bit self-obsessed and you know when they want to know something they really want to know something but no very good I really enjoyed this uh Peter David is fantastic uh I, I, I don't want this book to ever change. It's just been so solid. It's, been, it's evolved over time, and I think that's really to Peter David's credit, is that he's been part of so many different crossovers, so much crap, and he's had characters taken away from him and then suddenly available to him, and yet he's been able to make such a great storyline that's been going through it all. Uh, yes, it started out in a wire, and it's quite different now, but it's been such a great book overall, so he's been he's really good, and Leonard Kirk on artwork is fantastic. It's just really, really strong. So that's the end of the actual all the issue reviews that we're gonna be doing this week. Um the issues I didn't cover were th- uh, Dark Avengers number 180, um and also Stormwatch number zero. So I didn't get to all the storm all the zero issues. Um but that's the majority of them. Uh our next episode is episode eight, which was actually has already been recorded. Um this episode's being recorded on September the 9th, on the Sunday. Um but actually on this past Wednesday. On the 5th is actually when we recorded uh, episode number 8. It's uh, me sitting down with uh, Nathan Strzok, who's one of my previous guests from episode 6. And we talked a bit of, bit about Heroclix news, ma- mainly Heroclix news, actually. Um, we were talking about a preview that had gone up that day for Marvel HeroClix uh, 10th anniversary set, which comes out on the 12th of September, which is this coming Wednesday. We were talking about a Thor preview that came out last week. We also talked a little bit about... about other types of comic news that was coming up there was a bunch of diversions as well. Uh you should give that episode a listen and then we'll be back next hopefully Friday or Saturday um which would be the uh, either 14th or 15th with the reviews for this coming week's comics which is September the 12th. So that'll be episode 9 and then hopefully and this will be a treat, hopefully episode 10 will be me sitting down with three special guests. Uh we got Nathan Struck Paul Scores, both from my X-Men episode, which is episode 6, as well as um, new guest Amber. And we'll be talking about our top 5 Spider-Man stories, top 5 favorite Spider-Man stories. Not top 5 best, our personal favorites. So make sure to give that a listen. So that'll be the next, uh, basically, 3 shows that'll be coming up. So uh, I hope you will join us for those. Otherwise, thank you once again for listening to Comic Shenanigans. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and uh, I can't wait for the next episode. Please join us then for another Comic Shenanigan.